0: There's a lot of statistical information shared every day in news stories. Everything from COVID cases to economic data to athletic performance is quantified to help us better understand our world. But do news presentations really help us do that? And what do statisticians think of the way news media presents statistical data? That's the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and media, journalism, and film as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me are regular panelists, John Baylor, Chair of Miami Statistics Department, and Richard Campbell, former Chair of Media, Journalism, and Film. We have two guests joining us today to talk about a new blog sponsored by the International Statistical Institute, Statisticians React to the News. Megan Higgs is a statistician, freelancer, and owner of the blog Critical Inference. She believes in the importance of considering the philosophical and general practice issues evolved. In using statistical inference to inform science, management, and policy, E. Ashley Steele is a statistician and quantitative ecologist, and considers herself a quote statistician who is passionate about statistical communication. End quote. Higgs and Steele are also the minds behind the Statisticians React to the News blog. Thank you so much for being here. That was a lot of statistics and statisticians in one introduction to this program. So, um, but we're so happy to have you here today.
1: Thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um,
0: I just want to get to, to get the conversation started, ask you how you decided that you wanted to create this blog, sort of what was its genesis?
1: So I I think we all read the newspaper and so much of how we understand the world is based on observations and they're often structured into data. And and that's what statisticians do. We, we think about data and what it means. And I think in many ways, journalism and statistics have a lot in common, right? We, we help people understand what's happening in the world in different ways. And when I was reading the news about, uh, you know, it was about COVID-19 and all these data that were flooding us constantly. And I was spending a lot of time um, applying the statistical skills that I have from my professional life in understanding the news. And I, I started to wish also that I had other kinds of information, like what would a virologist say? What would an economist say? And I came to understand that our professional lens, our expertise really helps us understand one aspect or one facet of the news. And it seemed like a great opportunity to share that, to share how statistical training and experience helps us better understand the news and better understand the data around us. And I want to also credit Peter Guttorp, Another statistician who um, was working simultaneously on an editorial piece, and we felt we just got discussing how important it would be for us to better communicate how statistics can help people understand the news.
2: Are there particular skills, statistical skills that you think are are critical for consuming the news and, and reading the news?
1: I think statistical thinking skills. Of course, if I'm talking about statistics, I'm gonna get around to statistical thinking it came really quickly. So (laughs) nobody needs to do a lot of calculations when they're reading the news. And I think people confuse statistics with calculations. So I don't read the news with a calculator by my side, but I read the news with this understanding of how how many observations we saw influence how much we should believe the conclusions. I read it with an idea of what are different kinds of probabilistic events and if we're just looking at the last events in the chain what does that tell us about earlier events in the chain i read the news with all these kinds of probabilistic thinking skills and i think it helps me
3: yeah i'll, I'll chime in there so the i feel like from my perspective there's a um maybe a complexity of of understanding what or an understanding of the complexity that's going on behind the scenes in terms of um, how the data are collected any analysis that went on, and then the interpretations based on the results that can't really be summarized neatly and simply and briefly in a news article. And so I feel like, but that's something as statisticians reading it, we we have this kind of deeper understanding. So I feel like that was one of my um, kind of excitement or motivations to be involved is to kind of help get that perspective out there. And not that we can explain all the complexity, but just to, you know, to raise a, a spark, a curiosity about what else is there that, that can't be covered in the news article, but um, the blog can give people that perspective and just knowledge that there is more there.
4: So I would like to ask a question. For whatever reason, you allowed John to uh, post on your blog. <laughs> and he... And this is what I want to know, because you start out by telling the story of our governor, who has taken three tests that, that we know about, one positive, two negative. And Ashley and Megan probably don't know this, but our governor went to Miami. All his, most of his kids went to Miami. And I want to know if the DeWine family shows up in Oxford, do I have to avoid them?
2: Well, they, they probably will avoid you, Richard. Just by, that's a, but that's a different that's a different question. I, I guess this gets the that's one of Ashley's posts about the conditionality of arguments. I think her recent post talks about that. But but Richard, in terms of the question, it's it was this was one of the things that that the blog involved, which was reacting to the news, and it was pretty amazing to see these stories on consecutive days where a positive result was followed immediately by a couple of negative results and there were different tests and there were different ideas that were going on how you know what does that mean in terms of statistics and and i you know i guess we could have just as easily called it deconstructing the news from a, a statistician's perspective but it was reacting to to that so I, in terms of answering your question i don't if they're traveling here you probably don't have to worry about it
0: I I do have a kind of related question. So there are several posts on the blog, obviously, given the moment we're living in, that are about COVID. Because it's sort of the unavoidable topic of a lot of statistical things right now. Because the stats for the pandemic are everywhere. And trying to understand them is sort of a, 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 a mission of all of us, I think. But you know, six months from now, maybe, if this pandemic has sort of obviously not gone away, but has lessened some, what other kinds of things would you like to see? Are there other ways of thinking about statistics that you'd like to see people writing about on the blog? Um, or do you have things in the pike you'd like to talk about?
3: Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we expected there to be a COVID nineteen theme to begin with, obviously because of the the times that we're in. But I also feel like the COVID posts that are already published all have some underlying messages that can really be applied to other stories as well. But coming up um, shortly, we have we'll be talking a little bit more about official statistics. So in honor of um, World Statistics Day, so we might have a couple posts um, about that. Um, we'll also be covering a little bit more election. Statistics, I believe, um, re- uh, when we get closer to November and the U.S. presidential election, um, hopefully for other other countries as well. I mean, we really one of the Im- really important things is having this international perspective, which comes from you know that's an expectation because of the sponsorship of the International Statistical Institute, but also a really exciting part and something that was um, really drew me to wanting to be involved as well. So we've had posts so far from Brazil, Italy. Sweden and have commitments from contributors from Palestine, New Zealand, Puerto Rico, Philippines, Thailand, Nigeria, Switzerland. So we really are like trying to get out. So, you know, what what news items will come up hopefully will be country dependent as well, yeah. which is which is fun and a new new perspective.
2: So so one aspect that that you discussed about this blog is having Topics that might be thought of as as timely and reactive to a particular news story, and others that might be evergreen, as, as as sometimes said in this in this business, that that they would be kind of themes that would continue on. Can you can you talk a little bit about that distinction between the timeliness and that mix? And then what are some of those those kind of evergreen topics that you could envision covering here?
3: Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. So yeah, we we originally kind of thought of these neat categories of this timely versus evergreen or a specific story versus a general reaction which is the how we've categorized them on the blog. Um, you know as things go nothing is as turning out to be as neatly categorized so most of them have a particular story that they're referencing and talk about but then they go on to provide general, um, kind of takeaways and lessons to be learned. So it's been really hard for me to actually um, categorize those. But I hope that you know, for for some of the really the evergreen topics, I kind of had hoped to have more of general kind of statistical thinking um, ideas, like um, like Ashley mentioned in the beginning, um, Some sort of some really underlying things to spark curiosity in people about how they're reading news that has. Um, statistics or statistical related information in it. Um, But I think it's great to hone in on, you know, to have that reference to one article in those as well.
1: I think as the blog evolves and there's more and more stories, we'll start to see links between stories and that will naturally lend itself to more and more topics that are more general. And I think that'll be exciting because it'll demonstrate to readers how one statistical idea can help us understand climate change racial inequity, immigration patterns, and sports. It's one foundational idea, and I think that'll be really, I'm excited for that.
4: So uh, it's a two-part question. One, do you know if journalists are reading the blog yet? And two, what can they do better? What can journalists do better?
3: Okay, well, I'll go. I'll. Uh, I will go i i do not know. You, 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 and Rosemary might be the first journalist to read the blog. Boy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope that's not the. I hope that's not the case. But you're the first. You're the only two that I know of for sure that have well, read that's it. That's sad. Um, yeah, I mean, part of part of what we're doing is trying to promote to a wider audience. With I think Ashley can talk more about audience later. But I'll answer. kind of my version of your of your question about what I think journalists can do better. Um, I think that my kind of main frustration lies in the with what happens in journalism um, regarding reporting of um, statistical information is the, the simplification that must necessarily happen. Right. You have to tell a story in a very limited number of words. And so what what journalists and scientists as well tend to do is oversimplify and lose the complexity. And I think in, in, that has to happen to some, to some extent to be able to do our jobs. Um, but I think that there's really that we can be a lot more mindful about the language that we are using in order to not oversell the simplicity, not present it as answers like we've used statistics to reduce uncertainty, which is not what we, what we have done um, in any of these cases, right? It's still, but that's how it's kind of used as that calculator, get us an answer type of way. I actually kind of thought about a little a little example um, beforehand. Um, I think it's really common to use the word determine um, in, uh, in reporting because that's kind of a nice term to grab onto. That was a term that I outlawed from my classes and teaching for the last 10 years. It's like, we do not determine anything with statistics. So I think that, and that's a word that creeps into journalism a lot. And I understand why. And most of us just don't, you know, once you think about it once, you're like, oh, that makes, that makes sense that I wouldn't want to use that term. You know, so for example, we might have, you might say researchers determine that X causes Y, right? A very, very exciting headline. And we could easily change that to still be something short that's more like early research suggests X may cause Y in some people, right? So like those two to me are just so different. And I think when I read that, those two as a statistician, I take away something very different. So I'm kind of hoping like that's kind of the little little pieces and curiosity in those type of wording that we can help promote.
1: And I think there's also a a demand issue. So if people are demanding really uh, certain exciting results, then it's very hard for journalists to write in a way that expresses how, you know, science moves with a bit of slowness and awkwardness, and we have uncertainties that we're constantly revising. And if this blog can contribute a little bit to also a better market for journalists, so that people want to consume news, that has those uncertainties. They don't just write it off as, oh, we don't know yet. They read it as an exciting step. That would be fantastic.
0: You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking about statistics and news with Megan Higgs and Ashley Steele. Now, you both have sort of expressed a commitment to sort of um, the the public communication of statistical information. You have the critical inference blog, Megan and, and Ashley. You said this is something you're passionate about. Why? I mean, because it feels like it's a step beyond sort of traditional training. Like, so, you know, to teach journalism is difficult because I know how to do it. But then when you sort of step outside the actual doing to like the discussion of it, it sort of becomes this sort of more difficult place to manage or to, or to be in. And so I wonder what was it that, that made you feel so compelled to take that step to try to, to work to push for clear communication of statistical information?
1: So we've also been working on a course at the University of Washington on statistical thinking and st- includes statistical communication. And all of that work is really because I believe is maybe even too light of a word. I, kn- I know that people can make better decisions in their personal and their professional life if they understand probabilities and data. And so the more somehow that has been um, handed to the statistical community, that kind of knowledge. And I think we need to do a better job at spreading it out again and sharing with people, why is it interesting? Why do you need to think about this? How could you make a wrong conclusion or a wrong decision? And how could you improve on your decision-making? Even from from parenting, you have to make all these different kinds of decisions. They're all probabilistic, your own health, Decisions about whether to go on vacation. Now we're living in a world where every decision, should you go grocery shopping, you know, at four o'clock or at five o'clock is a probabilistic health related decision. And I think, I think the world can be a better place if more people understand statistics.
2: Yeah, in terms of parenting, I always used random reinforcement. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I just uh, I, you, know, I, I, you know you just keep guessing so, you know I, I, I so a question that i, I i'm gonna suggest that, that megan and ashley you might have a question for richard and rosemary we let's put the journalists on the spot and okay. let's say okay journalists you have a chance here to say what what are some topics or stories that you would like to see covered as part of this blog Well, one of the
4: things that has been one of my pet peeves as we've interviewed a lot of uh, scientists uh, and statisticians is Mm. the question of random sampling and why that wasn't done earlier and more often and we would know a lot more, I think. That's one story, although again, I think, as you guys have pointed out, this is this is a hard story for journalists to do because most of them don't have the training or background to do this. I think it, from what I've learned, it's a lot better than it used to be. Um, I think there's so much good journalism out there that does things that uh, are helpful to me. Um, so that that's one story that I would like to see sort of tackled and journalists go after. I think I've heard a lot of complaints about this, but I haven't really seen Good reporting on I, for that me. So I did
0: uh, in my past life, medical and science stories were one of my beats, and so I did a science literacy workshop for journalists a million years ago out in San Francisco. And one of the most useful things I ever got was they uh, a, a statistician came in and walked us through how to read a study. And so I think oh. maybe on on you know down the road it might be worthwhile, especially if you're thinking of you know journalists or the public coming to the blog and reading about statistics, like how do, you, how do I read a study? If I see something in the news that I think looks interesting and I want to go and read the study, how do I read it in a way where I don't need to know maybe all of the layers of the statistical analysis but can get enough to understand whether whether there's some validity or something worth sort of trusting in this data, I think could be a really useful tool for journalists as well as sort of you know informed lay people yeah, that's a great that's a great idea.
1: It's a fantastic idea. And one of those kind of posts that I hope will arise, maybe even regularly are posts that are of the the category. You know, five questions to ask yourself when you're reading a news story. Because helping people know what where to even focus, it's very similar to what you're saying how to read a study. But you know ask yourself, did they mention sample size? Did they use a word like determine, prove? That's, you know. So I think we can make yeah, we can make a lot of progress there, but it's going to take, um, I think, first, the collection of statisticians to come together about all these different news stories so that we can agree on, maybe not statisticians don't agree very easily, but we can come together with a good pool of questions that we can organize and provide in a very um, useful and efficient format.
3: And to me, I think it's, it's really important, even if a person... Um, you know, we can give people the skills to look into something or give them advice for how to look into a study and how to look further. But the reality is that most people are not going to have the time to do that unless it's something that's really important to them. So even just the recognition that there is more to the story, like there is a rest of the story that's not being covered here, I think is incredibly important. Um, and to just get people to sit with that and realize it and not like let that part kind of gloss, gloss over.
1: Yeah, that's a great, I love this description of thinking about the rest of the story. I'm, I'm going to hold that uh, close. One of the, the phrases that I use a lot is efficient skepticism. So if we're so skeptical that we can't read anything without thinking it's false or it's wrong, that won't work. We can't get any information, but we shouldn't be reading it. We, we should have some principles for how we can very efficiently have enough skepticism to to um, guide our understanding. And I think that that's good. a good principle also.
3: Yeah, and I've been moving from using skepticism to using curiosity, which I really, mm. I used to use like healthy skepticism, but I think I really like, like really, we want people to be curious about the rest of the story, like what else is there, right?
4: I'd like to go back and and, and return the focus to statisticians. <laughs> um, so. Actually, you talk about the course on uh, statistical thinking, and you do a pre-course survey you talk about. And in, in, the, in the stuff that I've read about this, you, t- you talk about things that even statisticians get wrong uh, in terms of statistical thinking. And I want an example.
2: <laughs> well, one is, they think it's a good idea There's to work so with many. journalists. I think that's one, Richard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think there's a lot of, of course statisticians get lots of things wrong all the time. That's how we learn. Like any other profession, we learn and then we figure out what we did wrong last time and how to improve it the next time. There's a lot of ways that the human brain just thinks about probability wrong. A lot of these were described by Daniel Kahneman in his Nobel Prize winning work. And I heard an interview by him where he described how he's been studying these things for 20 years and he still makes incorrect assumptions. And I think that kind of humility, Mm -hmm. I'll get to an example in a minute, but I think that kind of humility that we are naturally gonna make certain kinds of mistakes um, is really helpful. So we are naturally gonna see a cloud of dots, make a pattern, tell a story. We're just gonna do it. And we have to have a little red flag in our minds that says, wait, 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 How, how many dots are there? How likely is that story? Could I have seen a similar cloud with just a random uh, chance? And I think of it a lot like optical illusions. So we see optical illusions and we see that one with the, the three lines and the arrows, and we instantly think this is an illusion. It's a trick. I have to be careful. And I think there's a lot of things like this about probability that we just can learn that when you, when you see a small cloud of points in a, in a pattern, we should think, wait, stop, let me check. When we see a probability we can think wait stop conditional on what there's a lot that we can do like that
3: i think the humility is a great is a great point and uh kind of bringing it back to the blog too. one of my visions um i really don't want the blog to become a statistician as hero narrative or a scientist as hero narrative i think that that's one of the problems that um well go underlies communication and um and trust in uh in in science and journalism mm-hmm. so um but i think that that's yeah all related to kind of what ashley was saying i
2: i, I really like that characterization that's 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 really nice i mean I, the collaboration the collaboration between statisticians and journalists i think is a, is generally something you might find uh, accepted and celebrated on this group with this group too yeah.
1: absolutely i want to say something <laughs> about the audience because in this interview was the first time I thought journalists as audience, because I haven't been thinking that we're somehow telling journalists what to do. I've been thinking of it as a collaborative process. And I think there are so many audiences. Mm-hmm. Like one I thought of, of course, are teachers. And I've imagined, you know, when, when this typical thing, when some poor kid is has to learn calculus instead of probabilities, which would be so much more useful. And they say, you know, like, what would this ever be useful? I'll never need this in real life. So now when teachers are teaching statistics and some kid says i'll never need this in real life they have just an arsenal of ammunition all the ways that statistics can help them understand real life Mm -hmm. and i think um, somebody made a comment on the blog about how they hope this can also kind of um, enliven statisticians and help them remember the joy of communicating and the importance of what i mean we all get a little tired of our work over time and I think that it can help statisticians remember how valuable our work is and how much we need to communicate it better. Um, so I think there's there's quite a lot of you know, different audiences. It's not meant to be sort of a corrective blog. It's meant to be a mm-hmm. expanding right. ideas
0: blog.
3: Yeah, I think the words that we came up with were, um, you know, instead of narrowing it down to groups that were the audience, it was... Uh, scientifically literate and curious or something like that. Maybe even scientifically literate is too um, restrictive, but um, yeah, just curious about another perspective on the
1: news. So I have a really funny story because I posted this on my personal Facebook page, of course, when I wrote a blog and I, I didn't expect personal friends who aren't statisticians to have, you know, too much to say about it. And I got the following comment back. And it said, What's the risk a slightly overweight 36 year old Egyptian drummer will be hospitalized from COVID if he gets a vanilla milkshake later tonight but wears a mask? And I was thrilled because, of course, it's silly. It's super funny. But it also says, you know, this person read the blog, thought about how those ideas that are about a newspaper article can also be applied to real life decision making. And Mm -hmm. I was, to me, that's the audience for the blog for people to to make these connections and mm. to to sort of daylight or highlight how valuable statistics is for so many worlds so many personal decisions
0: i was certainly one of those kids who was like i hate math i don't understand I, you know, I was like, "This is this. Uh, huh, what am I going to use this for?" And uh, and then I took statistics in grad school and had to learn to run like regression by hand and all these things, which was not fun. But at the same time, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! This applies in so many places." And there was like that practicality and the way it helps me helped me understand things, which I was like, "If someone had been able to convince me this was what math could lead me to down the road, maybe I would have cared a lot a lot sooner in my youth." And have paid a bit more attention in those classes. But it was like this really aha moment for me in grad school. Like, oh, stats is actually really great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it would be great if the blog could sort of provide those moments. for people. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're going to have to do a golf episode or a golf article
2: blog post to get him. That's
4: hey, I, I want to know when are we going to drive calculus out of the <laughs> high school <laughs> curriculum and put in statistics because calculus turned me hey. off of math forever
1: Any day I'm right there with you I'll be standing <laughs> behind you we so why
3: why are we why are we doing that there is some there it depends on the high school but they there do have the well stats there's more, options a lot more a lot
4: more of our students are coming with statistics courses but still I bet it's fewer than half
1: but I hope that this blog can help fix a little bit of that because one of the problems is we don't have enough teachers who love statistics at the high school level who know how to do statistics and can communicate it well. So my daughter's statistics teacher was the drama teacher, and that just made me bananas. He and so I I think we have to get people excited from all different um, different career paths about statistics. Then we'll have teachers, and then we'll have students. Megan, sorry. Yeah.
3: No. 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 I just want to let you. I want to say something after. So the yeah. I think that is so important. But I think I want to put a a huge kind of caution warning that you don't have to come through math to be right, a statistician. Right. So I did not come from a math background. I came from a science background. I started another PhD before actually realizing like why are we using statistical methods like this? Like what is going on? Like I don't even, I don't have the background to do this and why am I being asked to? And then went back to stats. I mean, not that I, I I didn't mind math, but I liked that part of it, but it doesn't have to come from that. So like even thinking about high school education, I would almost rather my kid's science teacher teach stats Mm. than a strict mathematician because that feeds into this calculation, get an answer myth of stats that just, we've got to get rid of that. We've got to be in the, the dirty gray area and embrace that rather than the get the right answer mentality.
1: Well, it's interesting because I also didn't come from a math background. I I liked it enough, and then I switched majors, and I went on. And then in graduate school, I had to go to a statistical consultant. And it was such a horrific experience. They spoke to me in words I didn't understand. They told me everything I was doing was wrong. And I left the room, and I said, I'm never going to be subjected to this again. I'm going to learn it myself. And, of course, it's fascinating. But it's a reminder to me when I go and I'm trying to communicate with people how easy it is to turn people off and scare them. And there's so much more to statistics than some very careful calculation that you get taught very early.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. No, Thank you guys so much for this conversation today. It's been great. Thank, Thank you. So you. That was really fun. Yeah, it was great. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to Stories at Miami OH. .edu or check us out at statsandstories.net and be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.